Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I am your host, Felipe Melicio, on this glorious Sunday morning. And for those listening on audio only, uh, good Monday morning or good evening or whenever. With me, as always, dancing along the way is my co-host, Sean Flannery. How are you doing this morning? I am great. My heart is happy. The Rays won. I still think the Dodgers are going to win, but my heart wants the Rays. And after last night, they seem like the chosen team. And to take a slight off baseball note, Rutgers won a Big Ten game. They broke a 21-game losing st- conference losing streak, beating Michigan State. Greg Schiano is a god. Uh, chop on. Chop on, Rutgers. Let's go. <laughs> scarlet knights wow yeah i got i got to promote them while while they are actually winning you know and not losing by 70 points I mean, do they look good this year or uh i mean the defense looked jumpy like in it's very a greg shiano thing the defense is very that punch in the ball you know the, the peanut punch as you would know as a chicagoite uh he is very much known for that my i'm i'm <laughs> Jacob's saying that I look like a, like a thief or a robber, so I'm, I might as well. But I got the hoodie on. Hopefully, yeah. We'll get that going. Get that look going. You know, like, like Redman used to say, if I if you if I got to be a monkey, I'll be a gorilla. If you want me to be a thief, I can be a robber and and look the part as well. <laughs> full, full on. Anyway, so uh, big World Series, as you mentioned, uh, everybody. I mean, Jacob's already. Uh, by the way, Jacob, who don't. For those who don't know, he does have a podcast of his own. Uh, he's nice enough to join us this morning, but he does have a podcast every Wednesday more uh, Wednesday nights or every other Wednesday night as this basketball off season over at Ball is Life. Uh, so catch his catch his podcast along with Leon Tompkins. They do a wonderful job over there. Go catch their podcast Wednesday nights. Uh, they go. What's that word I'm looking for? Biweekly now. Is that the right word, Sean? Yes, I believe so. All right. Yeah, they go biweekly. Semi monthly. Semi monthly. All right. Yeah, that, that one works too, I believe. Or if you're one of our group members, uh, semi, you know, truckly. Yeah, we have a lot of truck drivers who are part of our life group universe here. So, uh, Henry, our fearless leader, also, jeez, uh, all the all the podcast members are here today. He has a podcast tomorrow uh, live here on Baseball Life, uh, Dong City with Vince, and he's saying that's the best game in recent memory. Which uh, before that, and it got me thinking, Sean, really, when everybody was talking about that, like before all of the the Houston Astros cheating scandal broke through for a long time, the best baseball game was that was it what game five, I think, and in, in, uh, against the Astros and the Dodgers in 2017, that was considered the best one. And I guess because of uh, of all the shenanigans that went down now, this one can can be considered the best game uh, so far uh, or in recent memory. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, that that is up there, and it's to the day of the 1986 Bill Buckner era. And just <laughs> watching that play live, I was on, on the couch eating Arby's, watching the game on my phone, and I saw the play get bobbled in center field, and I said, oh, my God, they're going to send him home. And then the ball gets relayed, and a Rosarena's nowhere to be found. And I'm like, oh, my God, what happened? Where is he? And then I see him, like, kind of crawl back up. And then I'm like, he's a dead duck. Now he's done. It's, we're going to extra innings. And then Will Smith just took his eyes off the ball, went for the swipe tag, and a Rosarena did the commando crawl back to home plate. And, of course, that that I, that is going to be an iconic video for a long time of him smacking home plate with his uh open fist open palm it it was just great all around uh, i believe andrew sullivan posted in baseball live talking about the video work and it on uh, just throughout that game was uh really well done uh, you know it's funny that people are mentioning that's the new buckner that's the new buckner like i mean that before arrows arena was able to cross home plate that could have easily been one of the dumbest base running uh, uh, bloopers of all time. I mean, right there with Lonnie Smith in the World Series and Merkel's boner and and all of that. But yeah, that, I mean, that's how crazy this game is. Like one moment, one second, you are gonna be the scapegoat, and the next, you're the hero. So it's kind of funny. But yeah, he was this close to being the 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 scapegoat, and and the Rays not being able to win. I mean, they were they would have tied and would have gone into extra innings. But uh, yeah, Arozarena. It's just so funny how how change of events can occur like that 
<laughs> yeah, it, it was absolute the ups and downs. And Joe Buck mentioned earlier in the game talking about highs and lows of, you know, how much that game went back and forth and for it to be encapsulated on such a play where it felt very high and then low and then high again was just perfect, really perfect in every aspect. Unless you're a Dodgers fan, then it was freaking terrible. <laughs> well, the Dodgers managed to be used to it by now. I mean, it's it's been like that for a while for them now. I mean, for all their success, that that's that's the that's the price of success, isn't it? The price of success, if you're not winning a World Series championship, is this right here constantly. It's like Groundhog's Day, loop after loop. Really quick, man. Henry's really confusing me. I could have sworn I saw third base coach uh, sending Eros Arena home. And he's saying that Arizona ran through the stop sign. I mean, did you see it differently? I thought, I, 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 thought I don't remember seeing the, the third base coach, honestly. Yeah, well, we'll have to see the replay on that one. Uh, maybe Dong City. I mean, they do the replays uh, very well because they have their producer, uh, Roberto Martinez, doing the video work for them. So that's for them to cover. I, I, I honestly thought, no, I saw Linares, the third base coach Linares, waving him like, Frank, go, 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 go. And now he's saying that it was a – Stop sign. But I mean, that's how crazy the game was. Like nobody can get their story straight at this point. So <laughs> let's move on here. And uh, as always, WEPA, winning probability added. Uh, we This is our way to figure who, which of these players have come through the big moments and through the clutch and whatnot. And uh, we start out with the, Do- the Dodgers. Corey Seager, we've mentioned it before. He's been their ace in the hole. He's been their best hitter. I mean, he's looked tremendous this season and this playoff season uh season and he was the uh, national league championship series uh mvp and he's continuing to put on a tear he's the most dangerous hitter putting a f- 1.560 ops sean uh that's pretty impressive so i mean there's nothing much to say about him uh, we i move mean on to Justin a Turner. lot of people oh, slept on him last year uh coming back from and the that injury and he's still performed pretty well it wasn't his 2015 or 2016 level but it was still really well or still really good and then this year uh we're seeing just that same mvp you know he was had what the back-to-back six war seasons and 15 and 16 i believe or 16 and 17 uh don't sleep on Corey seager people no i think that we're at a point where you, you can't ignore him anymore you know it's I, I think he's back to being like a bona fide uh, legitimate player here uh, in terms of, you know, where he sits among the shortstops. And especially for fantasy, the, for our show, fantasy, I mean, he has to be a top two, top three shortstop at this yeah, point. right? I, I definitely have him in my top three. Uh, Justin Turner made some news that I believe he uh, he broke a Dodgers record, a home run record, was it? it he became the first player in World Series history to hit back-to-back game uh, first-inning home runs. All right. And so, I, I, I also did just see a replay um, of the, the walk-off. He was sending him all the way. He had the full arm motion going. So he, he, was, he was booking it, and he was sending him, and then he pulled a Daniel Jones about 45 feet down the line. <laughs> <laughs> That was pretty funny, though. Oh, Daniel Jones. (laughs) You know, uh, Life Group crossover here. You know, be sure to check out Football Life. I'm sure Randy and uh, Bushnell are going to be talking about that Daniel Jones play if they haven't already. I think they might have on Friday. They they go double duty. Uh, So, yeah, we've been plugging all the shows. I don't think we have to plug all the shows. uh, uh, At At the the end. end. Yeah, look at us go. (laughs) You got Dong City in the house. You got the the step back in the house. And now we just mentioned the Audible and their double duty weekly shows that they do on Tuesdays and Fridays. So I think that that, that's uh, that's it for us. Moving on, Jock Peterson uh, has only had eight at-bats, but he's showing up at the top of the WEPA list. And uh, Max Muncy is also at the top with a very minute percentage, but still uh, he's in there. Uh, Chris Taylor at 0.05. Remember, they, these don't do defensive plays. So no. if, if there was a way to... If it was, Mookie Betts would be like re- very, very high right now. <laughs> yeah, well, Chris Taylor at the end too, he would have been up there as well if yep. it, uh, in the negatives, I guess. Uh, if... Uh, if defensive uh, metrics were involved in the win probability at it, unfortunately it's only hitting and pitching. So he's safe for now. 
Uh, he's having a decent, I guess, uh, has a home run in three RBI. Chris Taylor does. Let's go to the negative side. Will Smith uh, at the very bottom of the list here. Um, not because of his defensive hiccup, but just because he's just been struggling. Uh, he's, what is he, uh, three for 17 so far in the World Series. Uh, you mentioned Mookie Betts also on the negative side. So, yeah, uh, the Dodgers, uh, they got Corey Seager going. They got Justin Turner going. And that's about it. <laughs> and yeah, Muncie's getting on base. Muncie has got on base all postseason. Uh, obviously, he's always been known as a, a big OPP guy. And he's just continuing it on to the postseason, setting the table for uh, the red-hot Corey Seager. And right off the bat, speaking of which, Henry wants to know why Mookie Betts wasn't at center field and why Chris Taylor was, was in center field. I fi- I just figured that Taylor has more games playing center field, maybe? Yeah, I mean, Mookie Betts really hasn't played that much center field. Uh, one for the Dodgers and two over the last four or five years. And the way he's played defense in right field and the way that new ballpark in Arlington is, it kind of bows out. It's a little bit deeper to right center. Um, I think you want to keep him there. He's already made so many great plays out there. I don't think they really wanted to mess with him. And uh, I got to give a shout out to Chris Flores, who has been nice enough to join us on our show. She's a Dong City regular, but thank you for uh, waking up this morning, Chris. She's out on the West Coast, I believe. I think she's a Giants fan. Oh, wow. I mean, this. Wow. Yeah. Wow. is right. And so is Austin. Uh, I forgot his last name, Spiro, I believe, but Austin's our regular contributor. He's also up and running this morning. So uh, shout out to all the early birds on the West coast uh, for joining us tonight or t- uh, this morning, I should say. And uh, let's move on to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and of course, shocker. <laughs> one at bat, but Brett Phillips is at the very top of the list at 0.81. That has to be the highest I've seen of anybody in the in these uh, playoffs. 0.81, uh, basically 81% of of, of uh, the win was all Brett Phillips last night. Yep, and that was his first career postseason hit. I it's just absolutely insane. I, I was talking to my wife. I said this isn't a fair matchup. This is a 200 lifetime hitter. He's a defensive player going up against. Kenley Jansen, but as we've mentioned before, Kenley Jansen's stuff has kind of been just slowly going down, and it slowed down just enough for Brett Phillips to turn it around and hit it back into center field. <laughs> and uh, Brett Phillips, I mean, we, let's look into it because this is probably going to be. This is why we do it this way, right? Because we're gonna we're finding out that a lot of the big time hits and the big plays. You, this is the time of year where it's a bunch of, like Henry mentioned last night on one of the posts or threads, it's a bunch of scrubs. I I just saw <laughs> something about Ronnie Bellier being one of the worst players to ever play in a postseason or whatever. And he, you for the Atlanta Braves back in the 90s, right? And yeah. you paired him up at second base with Mark Lemke, who also sucked. But you always used to hear their names constantly, especially Mark Lemke during big time at bats. And it's it, first of all, it's no, it's no wonder why the Braves couldn't win a, more than one World Series because they had a couple of scrubs in the middle of the infield. But number two, I mean, it, it's l- these little known players that step up big for for these teams. So let's look at Brett Phillips, drafted by the Astros in the sixth round. Uh, eventually, I saw that in 2016, he moved up the prospect rankings to num- as high as number 32. I remember his name vividly and even mm-hmm. considered to be a, a decent fantasy uh prospect right yep uh july 30th 2015 got traded by the astros with josh Hader, adrian hauser and domingo santana to the brewers for mike fires and Snitch! Carlos Roman. i'm sorry i i had a sneeze uh, <laughs> i think something came out there my, uh, my apologies guys <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no i mean yeah this this deal would wor- work out very well for the brewers and uh i guess it worked out for the astros they mike fires got a world series ring out of it right yeah that he uh, valued by <laughs> by whistleblowing. Uh, July 27, 2018, got traded to the Brewers with Jorge Lopez to the Kansas City Royals for Mike Moustakis. Don't don't talk. Don't don't mention the the, the last trade. We we got to hold on to it. We got to leave him in suspense. All right, we'll leave him in suspense. So yeah, he got traded one more time this season, and uh, Sean wants to leave him in, in, in suspense here. But yeah, it's, he was at one point a top one hundred prospect, Brett Phillips. So I remember that name, and we're just kind of waiting for him to show up, and he never showed up until last night. Where I'm looking at it, like, isn't that Brett Phillips? Is, is that who? Is, Phillips <laughs> is that the Brett Phillips? The Brett Phillips, who's been traded multiple times. He's only 26 years old, I think, and. Yep. 
he's already a, 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 a flame out, but you know, this Tampa Bay team, man, they just find ways to fit you into their clubhouse and put you in the right position. We've been talking about it all October long, all September long. This race team has a knack for just putting their, their players um, in a good position to succeed. Don't they? Yep. And I, it can't be understated with the two guys that are right beneath Phillips in uh, win probability. Win probability added. Gosh, I can't speak. Uh, Kevin Kiermaier and Brandon Lau both hit huge home runs. Uh, Brandon Lau, of course, hit the go-ahead three-run home run. Then the Dodgers came back and tied it up. And then Kevin Kiermaier hit another go-ahead home run. I mean, it really has been coming in bunches for the Rays, which I think in the end will be their undoing. It's a lot of home runner bust with them so far. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it worked for him last night. Which is ironic because it's been the people going after the Dodgers for uh, taking that approach. That's home runner bust. But guess what, folks? It's 2020. Everybody's doing home runner bust. So, uh, but I, I, th- I want to believe that these two teams are smart enough to play that traditional small ball when they have to. Uh, I mean, basically, Brett Phillips won with small ball last night. Yeah. So. So it's possible. And then Kevin Kiermaier, uh, I think he scored the tying run. So, I mean, speed was at the, on the base pads yeah. and Rosarena and, you know, the rest. Rosarena already having a great series so far. Uh, he hit a home run off of uh, Kenley Jansen. Yep, set uh, the, the record for most home runs in a postseason. Better than any Yankees player of all time, right? But <laughs> it, it kind of also it, – it set up this, this – uh, game four, right, with Kenley Jansen struggling already, giving up that home run, and Kenley Jansen – giving up the game-winning hit to Brett Phillips, and here we are now. So Jansen's struggles continue. Um, oh, did we oh, we haven't gotten to the pitchers yet. Okay. Uh, okay, so those are – and you mentioned Kiermaier, uh, Brandon Lau, and G-Man Choi having a – you know, he got one big hit, and that got him enough to be on the positive side, but he's been struggling this postseason – or this World Series, I should say. Yeah, um, I, I, I find five. it really interesting right. with Lau that he had 14 home runs in the regular season – and not one of them were to the opposite field. And then in this series, he's three for 17. All three of his hits are home runs, and all three have gone to the opposite field. (laughs) Because (laughs) baseball. Baseball in 2020, it's just wacky crazy. Uh, On the negative side, Mike Zunino, well, we know he sucks, but, you know, when he we talked about it last episode. When he connects, he hits the ball very far, but he really does suck. Uh, so, and Austin Meadows, you mentioned that if the Rays are going to win this world series, they need Austin Meadows to show up. Well, his struggles continue. He has not shown up. Uh, he's been very disappointing. Uh, you got the pirate fans, or at least one pirate fan that I know of. I'm not going to mention his name cause he's not listening, <laughs> but, uh, he's been, uh, touting. Yeah. So much for the pirates losing that trade with the Rays, huh? I'm like, okay. Or not with the Rays. Sorry. With the, yeah, it was the Rays. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, the Charlie Morton was it? No, it was a Tyler Glasnow. And that was a Glasnow, uh, Chris Archer deal. <laughs> okay, Pirates fan. Okay, Pirates fan. Sure. <laughs> Tyler. Anyway, that's the hitting. Let's go to the pitching. Uh, Walker Bueller has shown up big. One of the concerns that you and I had was, will the Dodgers let him go for more than three or four innings? So far, he's pitched six innings in every game almost. Just and about. Dominant. He got 10 strikeouts in that one game that he pitched. So he's uh, living up to his potential at the right moment. Uh, Clayton Kershaw, but he chokes all the time. Well, he had a hell of a game in, uh, was a game two or three, I think. Uh, eight strikeouts, one walk. So he's been uh, pretty crucial in helping the Dodgers trying to win a World Series for the first time since 1988. And, I go, and of course, Dylan Floro, Bruce Dark Gratterall, who many people are now saying that Gratterall should be the one closing, even though he has zero strikeouts so far. What do you make of that, Sean? Well, he's one of those, he throws very hard. He's much like Blake Trinan. They throw very hard, but they throw sinkers. So it's really not as much of a trying to miss bats as it is a just trying to influence a lot of weak contact. Kind of the, you know, the bowling ball sinker, as you know, a lot of they old-fashioned people call it, you know, Familia, Gratterall, Trinan, these guys that come in and throw really heavy, hard, fast sinkers and kind of just get beneath the barrel and break your bats. And yeah. he, he has a pretty good slider, but he's one of those – he's not really pitching. He's up there throwing. But his stuff is so good that he can get away with it. He threw back-to-back true 102-mile-an-hour pitches 
They were the two <laughs> fastest pitches of his entire career, and he threw him like back to back. I mean, to say he has been amped is probably an understatement. Uh, we have a prediction alert. Uh, Henry, not waiting till Monday night. He wants to do it right now. He's saying that Kershaw is going to throw an absolute gem today and get the Dodgers back on track. So uh, Henry still believes in Clayton Kershaw, even though nobody else does. I mean, I, I like Clayton Kershaw. I want uh, Kershaw. But- I want Kershaw to get a ring. That's I, my heart wants yeah. the Rays to win, but at the same time, I want Kershaw to get a ring. Yeah, me too, man. And I'm, I'm kind of tired of this like narrative that he's just a choker. But yeah, then he goes out and he gives up a home run when he's not supposed to. And he, he blows <laughs> how, dare he? But yeah, how dare how he? How dare he? How dare he be human, right? And it, I think if I think a lot of it, if Dave Roberts can just sense in his gut or listen to his pitching coaches or just sense a little something because pitchers are stubborn as hell. But if he can just sense that he's tiring out there or his stuff is not the same as it was in the first inning, like around the fifth or sixth inning or even in the fourth inning and take him out, I think that'll do wonders for not just Clayton Kershaw, but for his team as well. That's just my opinion. But yeah, he's just being left out there to be exposed. Let's go to the negative side, Sean. And of course, the negative, the biggest negative, Kenley Jansen, negative 0.75. So, yeah, for every Brett Phillips, there's a Kenley Jensen doing the opposite reaction there. So he's been slumping. He's been awful this World Series. Uh, only two strikeouts, uh, and uh, he's given up three runs, two of them earned. 1080 ERA for uh, Kenley Jensen. I, and I joked about it uh, before the playoffs, right, that Dodger fans love Kenley Jensen until he gives up a three-run home run. Well, he's <laughs> given up three runs so far, so that's almost coming true. Uh, Pedro Baez, who... <laughs> Yeah, There's he gave up. Guys, he right? gave up the three-run home run to Lau. He got out of the inning. The Dodgers tied it again, and then for some reason, Bias still came out. And then Kevin Kiermaier promptly took him deep to right center field, and it, oh, it was just not a very good outing for Pedro Bias at all. But it's like the same old story for Pedro Bias, isn't it? It's like the guy could throw really hard, really, uh, just high velocity, and then just gets lit up in the playoffs. Yeah, at least that's how I feel it. Speaking of Pedro Baez, I was uh, just finishing up David Wright's new book, and he talked about he got a uh, his two run clinching or uh, game winning RBI was against Pedro Baez in like that game five in the NLDS, and he said at that point, you know, his back was acting up so much that uh, pitchers were just throwing him nothing but fastballs, trying to just tell him like you know basically saying here try and hit this and he said and here comes Pedro Baez who just in warm-ups throws 97 and he said I just sold out for the fastball and he said I just I managed to get it into center field just very very shallow um he said I was more lucky than good to have gotten it but uh another Pedro <laughs> Baez blown uh blown attempt oh I mean, look at this. Dustin May also struggling. Tony Gonsolin not doing very well. Uh, it, it's starting to uh, it's starting to add up for the Dodgers, and this is what the, the big reason why we have a two-two series tie instead of a three-one series lead for the Dodgers at this point. Because the Rays have not been very good. Like, I'll tell you the team uh, numbers here. The Rays have a six-point-four-three ERA, higher than the Dodgers in this World Series. A one-point-six-five-seven WHIP. That's a lot higher than the Dodgers is in this World Series. And yet, the, the, it's a 2-2 series tie. Blake Snell has been the, the gem so far, but he's only pitched four and two-thirds innings um, and with nine strikeouts and four walks. So that's that's as good as it gets for the race so far in terms of starting pitching. But this is very um, – the complete opposite of what we've been bragging about the Rays' this whole playoff series. It's just, I'm looking at the numbers and it's, they're not very impressive. And let's look at the negative side. Nick Anderson is still struggling. I mean, the struggles that he had in the league championship series have come, made their way to the world series, Sean. Yeah. Looking at the Rays pitching right now, it is very, very troublesome to look at. Um, They didn't get the length they needed out of Yarborough last night. And Blake Snell has never been a pitcher to go deep into games and that's something they're going to need him to do desperately tonight. Yeah, and you talk about Yarbrough. Hey, actually, four innings is all I expect from Ryan Yarbrough every single outing. So that that's pretty damn good from him. But, well, and that's uh, o- that's o- that was over two games. He didn't uh, get through. Th- I think three last night, or he got through about three and a third, something like that. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. Sorry about that. I, I got my numbers mixed up here. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Glasnow also been struggling. Charlie Morton has also been struggling. Uh, I mean, Glasnow had six walks 
in his game one debut there. Yeah. Uh, eight, to go along with eight strikeouts, of course, you want that to see that. But no, this has been bad. And the fact that it's a 2-2 tie just speaks volumes to the Rays, do I dare say, intangibles, their heart, their desire, all of that hustle and and flow and hustle and flows of decent yeah, movies. Smoltz made a very good point earlier in the series talking about, you know, the Rays have some of – the Rays pitching staff has some of the best stuff in baseball. They're great at missing bats. But what the Dodgers have done this postseason is put the ball in play. They haven't struck out. And when you have a team that won't strike out, much like, you know, the 2015 Royals, they, they put the ball in play – then it kind of neutralizes these pitchers who have great stuff because now all of a sudden they're not going to chase and you have to learn how to pitch in the strike zone and still get outs. And that's something that this race team might not be able to do as effectively as they miss bats and get rack up strikeouts. Wow. I mean, I mean, that, that's the only explanation, right? As, like I said, this should be a three, one series lead for the Dodgers and maybe even you can almost argue that it should be already a four, nothing sweep. We should be talking about the Dodgers already wrapping it up or tonight, wrapping it up tonight. Yeah. And instead we, we have a best of three series coming up. Uh, I think Henry mentioned that Clayton Kershaw will be the starter. Is, is that confirmed? Uh, do we know who the Rays are? I, going, I uh, believe it, Blake Snell is supposed to be starting tonight. I know that. And Ooh, I believe Kershaw is wow. the, the slated starter for tomorrow. All right, let's go, man. Oh, man. Lefty on lefty. You know that uh, Roberts and uh, Cash, Kevin Cash, are going to go ahead and just throw a hell of a different lineup than what we've been seeing so far tonight. So, uh, uh, I'm sorry, that we have seen so far in this series. So, this should be exciting. I mean, this is it right here. This is what we all been waiting for. This is why people are risking their lives so they can go out and get a (laughs) hell of a World Series, the 2020 Andrew Freeman World Series that we all deserve in this crazy wacky year. Uh, any last words about the uh, four games of this world series before we, we, we move on to the prospects here, Sean. I, I really want the race to win, but I don't think they will. Like, I can't state that enough. It's like, I want the race to win so bad. There are players on this team that I watched in Montgomery. I feel connected to them, but I just don't think the offense is there. I mean, they're batting 229 compared to the Dodgers 282. And oh my God, I'm using batting average. Uh, but we can actually look at their OPSs. Dodgers 895 OPS, the Rays 737. So mm. I, I, I think in the end, it's going to be the Dodgers. That bullpen just needs to figure something out. I'm not sure if that means Gratterall closes games. I'm not sure if that means Trinan gets into even more games, but it's starting to look like Trinan is running out of gas. They have leaned on him hard this postseason, and he's starting to show the signs of wear. Yeah, I think you might be right about that, but they keep throwing him out there because, I mean, they have no choice. It's, it's, it's This is gold time. This I mean, is what are you... they going to do, throw Joe Kelly out there? for for all of the people that are going to be listening to audio only you just missed out on a great moment so be sure to check (laughs) us out on youtube and you can uh see my glorious joe kelly impersonation and felipe's as well oh god i just saw it on on the replay over on the facebook live feed oh god that's (laughs) ugly man that's even ugly for my standards holy crap but i'm talking about myself not you Will, will anybody do a mural for us Stop encouraging them. Don't do this. <laughs> and uh, uh, Chris is having a hell of a time. She is like, I hope Chris Taylor is in any position where he gets the ball, is what she's saying. <laughs> Spoken like a true Giants fan. Holy crap. All right. Well, let's move on to the uh, next aspect of the show. Was, uh, we've been doing this prospect uh, series where we try to, uh, what do you call it, Sean? Give some uh, love or, or some uh, shine to some of these low-level prospects outside of the top 50, uh, top 50 prospects. So we already did Josh Lowe and Carlos Cortez last week. This week we're going to do a couple of more hitters and a couple more pitchers for you all. And uh, I'll start first, Sean. Drew Waters from the Atlanta Braves and uh, 22-year-old center fielder, 6'2", 183 pounds. So he needs to uh, be a little bit more built up. Uh, he's the third-ranked outfielder or actually player for the Atlanta Braves. He's a switch hitter, throws right. 
Uh, he's 70th ranked overall in the Fangraphs prospect rankings, and he's due for a call-up in 2021. Uh, the reason I picked Drew Waters here, Sean, as let me go get his uh, 80 grades here. The reason I picked him is because uh, when I was doing my rankings for the 2020 season, he was always tied in with uh, Christian Pache. They were like like this, hand in hand uh, with each other. So I kind of, you know, this is kind of like my my thing, like, huh, I wonder what happened with Drew Waters. You know, how's Drew Waters doing since Christian Pache already got called up this season? And uh, oops, I, so as you can see, uh, Drew Waters uh, likes, he's a free swinger. Pitch yes. selection 30 out of 80. Uh, back control. I mean, obviously, if you're going to be that kind of a free swinger, you need that, a, a higher, a much higher back control as you're hacking at everything. But uh, no, I'm a little disappointed. But yeah, he's athletic. I mean, as you see that I put a note here saying he's a base stealer. Uh, power is kind of lacking. I mean, although the raw power is good. I mean, he's athletic, obviously. So the raw power is always going to be that high. Speed is 60-60. Fielding is, is all right. Has a hell of an arm. Future value supposed to be 50. So that, that's good enough to be a starter somewhere in Major League Baseball, but uh, let's see, let's let's see the notes here. Base dealer, low walk per strikeout ratio. So yeah, because he has poor pitch selection, that's why. Yeah. Nice gap power, but not much of anything else. Uh, he's a doubles hitter so far. Great line drive hitter. Uh, hits too many grounders. Uh, so that's kind of disappointing that Drew Waters has not. Uh, uh, moved up as uh, he came in with a lot of hype. I feel last last off season. Uh, what do you think about Drew Waters there, Sean? You make it so easy for me picking someone like Drew Waters, who I got to watch in the Southern League. I know this is starting to sound like a broken record because I got to see my, the prospect I picked in the Southern League. But Drew Waters was hands down the most electric player I saw. Um, he's a, like you said, he's a switch hitter. He's better from the left side. He can hit to all fields, uh, is definitely line drive gap power over, over the fence power right now. But when I watched his game, he was very impressive and very good. But when you look at the process rather than just the results with drew waters, then you start to see some flaws. And that is why he was actually much higher in Fangraph's top 100. Uh, they just dropped him down because of that, you know, pitch selection and plate discipline. He swings at everything. And that was the number one thing I noticed. And I, I remember a scout coming through and we were talking about Drew Waters and we're like, what about his, you know, plate discipline? He doesn't really walk. He, he strikes out above average. But, I mean, he's still hitting for average while striking out at a higher rate. And the, the scout said, I th mainly think it's because he is so confident that he thinks he can hit everything. And yeah. at, double, in, at double A in 2019 in 108 games, he batted 319. So, yeah, he pretty much was hitting everything. And I'm telling you, the ball jumps off his bat. And I hate using cliches like that, but it, it was so damn true. And the best way I was able to describe Drew Waters was Chipper Jones, but with Javier Baez's plate discipline. <laughs> then it's not really Chipper Jones. No, I, oh, I'm guess. telling you, it, he has the ability to hit from both sides, but the plate discipline is like so reminiscent of Javier Baez, it's freaky. Yeah, I, I saw, I, I do envision Javier Baez or even, um, oh, who's another, uh, Tim Anderson to a lesser degree. But yeah, or he, at worst, he's Jacoby Jones, not the football player, but the yeah. Detroit Tigers uh, uh, center fielder shortstop. Uh, Adam Dunn. No, not Adam Dunn, because this guy doesn't take walks. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the one thing that I think is interesting about Waters that I haven't really noticed until just now is he seems to have a knack. Of course, he hasn't played in the majors yet, so we haven't we can't pull up his baseball savant page and see what his barrel percentage and his hard hit percentage is yet. But you look at his BABIPs, 417, 409, 362, 363, 436, and 429. Those are really high BABIPs. That, yeah. that would be like league leading in BABIP. And seeing it year after year and at every stop makes me think that he's going to be a player who has a very high barrel percentage or something. It has to be somewhere along those lines. Just from what I've seen and now looking at his BABIPs, I can kind of see why he has such has such high BABIPs, but his floor is going to drop the higher level of pitching he sees because in 27 games at AAA last year, he had a strikeout percentage over 36%. Yeah. 
So just imagine it. Obviously it's only 120 plate appearances, but imagine when he gets and faces major league pitching, that approach is going to need some work. And, and it used to be the thought process used to be because when Babbitt was still a new thing and that's batting average on balls in play for those who don't know anything above 300 is seen is deemed to be a little bit fluky and anything below 300 it was deemed to be uh you know kind of also fluky I guess yeah. so, you know, in, in, in a perfect world you want your average and your Babbitt to be close you don't yeah. want a 300 batting average with a 420 Babbitt I'm looking at you Tim Anderson. Uh, (laughs) but he's done it two years in a row and it it is one of those things that some players are going to inherently have higher bad dips and it's usually because of two things they have great speed or they hit the ball really damn hard (laughs) like your waters yes so so yeah like i was gonna say that like it has been proven that some players have that skill to even like a joe maurer has shown up the uh, when he was playing was showing the ability to post high BABIPs year after year after year. So some players can actually post really high BABIPs and not affect their production and, or not be considered fluky or luck. Um, so, but I, 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 yeah, with Drew Waters, yeah, I do see a lot of flukiness in his life. But like you said, he does have high speed, so he takes advantage of it. I already have a great nickname for him. You know what his nickname is? What? Running. Drew running water. <laughs> and I just wanted to, uh, uh, I want to point out that Austin was the one who said that it sounds like Adam Dunn and with less power, but no, Adam Dunn can actually take walks. This guy, I don't think he's going to, like I said, low strikeout and walk rate. So, uh, sorry, low strikeout per walk uh, yeah. rate uh, ratio. Anyway, Lucius Fox, uh, I found out that there is an actual band named Lucius Fox. I don't know what type of music they played, but it's not the Lucius uh, I was thinking about, but 23 year old. So he's a little bit on the older side. And it's not the guy that outfits Batman with really cool toys and gadgets, different Lucius Fox. All right. Good to know. Six one one eighty. shortstop switch hitting, uh, switch hitting, uh, player who hits uh, from, uh, throws from the right side, 21st ranked for the Kansas city Royals, not ranked on the fan graph. So that's another player that you have that's outside of the top 100 or in fan graphs rate. Sometimes they go top 120, it seems like. Yeah. But whatever. The fan graphs, uh, he's not ranked at all in, in the overall sense, uh, scheme of things. Also due for a call-up next year. Decent hitter. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Oh, I went too far. All right, here we go. Pitch selection, way better than uh, Drew Waters. I can tell you that much. Decent back control, just like Drew Waters. Uh, no power to speak of. But speed is his calling card. And... Uh, has a very low floor, but here's my notes. Pretend, and it's kind of funny that we both have uh, two base stealers out there. Although Lucius Fox looks like he's going to be projecting to steal more than 25 uh, in a given year. That's at least that's his uh, potential. On a, uh, every year, he might be able to be that guy who steals 25 stolen bases per season. Really good walk rate uh, for a guy like him, uh, above 10. percent I mean, I, I'm sensing that you like a kind of t- type of infielder here, Sean. And last but not least, uh, no pop in the bat whatsoever. Uh, we mentioned Waters has the gap power. This guy has no power whatsoever. Uh, and also comes with a low average with a uh, low BABIP, con- you know, as compared to Drew Waters, who has a high batting average with the high BABIP. So Lucius Flex, huh, is one of those guys that you saw in the in the Southern League, you said, yeah, right? Yeah, he is, if we go back even further, Lucius Fox back in 2016 was involved in the trade that brought Matt Duffy and um, oh God, I can't remember the other person's name, but when Tampa Bay sent Matt Moore to San Francisco, they got back Lucius Fox, uh, Matt Duffy, and one other person whose name escapes me. Um, Then Lucius Fox, you know, kind of started rising up through the the Ray system. I saw him in 2019 when he was in double a in Montgomery, he played 104 games between shortstop, second base, third base. They played musical chairs, with that middle infield and the left side of the infield, really like the entire season. Um, He kind of showed versatility. He was added to the Rays 40 man roster and then was on their 60 man player pool this season. And guess who he was traded for? Because obviously you just said he is now in the Royal system, which is a good thing for someone who steals as many bases as he does. He stole 39 in 2019. He stole 29 in 2018 and 30 in 2017. He has legitimate speed. Uh, Fangraphs only has him at a 60-grade speed. I would push it closer to 70. 
I've, like I said, I watched him in person. He can fly. And um, the thing with him was, okay, getting back, he was traded by the Rays to the Royals at the end of August uh, 27th, I believe, for Brett Phillips, our World Series hero. And this was funny that I picked Lucius Fox as my prospect on what, Wednesday, Tuesday this week? I mean, way back. And then, of course, as Felipe said earlier, serendipity would have it. Lucius Fox and Brett Phillips, the connection gets made. Brett Phillips hits the walk-off. But uh, Lucius Fox probably profiles more as a utility player. Um, He can play a little bit of the outfield, too. I know the Giants were kind of looking into it. I'm not sure how much he's – he hasn't played any in the minors, but I I know they've worked with him on it. Um, If Whit Merrifield gets traded – which is always a possibility with Kansas City. It seems his name is always in the rumor mill. Uh, Lucius Fox could find us a route to playing time. And with his speed, stolen bases, we, we always know are, are coveted in fantasy baseball. And a team like the Royals, who have really nothing to lose, and they let their guys just run wild. Lucius Fox, I saw what happened when he runs wild. He steals 40 bases. And... Uh, like you said, he has better walk numbers than you would realize. He strikes out a little much for having not much power, but I think it's one of those he's very passive. Mm-hmm. And the batting average is kind of always flop. What's the word I'm looking for here? Flummoxing, up and down. There we go, flummoxing. There we go. And uh, But I, I do like the profile. He's really yeah. fast. And the fact that he has an above-average walk rate, that in the years where he does hit for a higher average – you're talking about a possible 350 on base guy uh, with his speed. That's probably going to be, you know, like you put on your notes, 25 to 30 stolen bases. Uh, I'm having fun with Austin right here. As uh, he he wants to compare him to Billy Hamilton, but let's for, let's not forget. First of all, not, not, they don't even play the same position. But Hamilton, I mean, there's speed, and then there was Hamilton speed. This dude was stealing 100 stolen bases every season. It seemed like. Uh, in an era where stolen bases was nearly dead, Hamilton kind of brought it back. But uh, I don't think Hamilton um, walked as much as Lucius Fox does, uh, even though they both had really good on. Uh, well, Hamilton had better on base percentage from what I remember in the minor leagues. But I, I want to let's help out our guy Austin here. Who would you compare Lucius Fox to uh, that's more comparable to his uh, abilities here? A very much like his teammate now, a poor man's Adalberto Mondesi. I think he's Mondesi, but walks more. I I think the power is just as fluky as Mondesi's. Mondesi, I think, hits more home runs than we realize. But (laughs) I mean, looking at Billy Hamilton, he has a career 7% walk percentage, as high as 9% a couple of times. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I don't think Hamilton's a terrible comp. I don't but like it. It, I, I, I think it's different position. No, so. I don't like it at all. Cause Hamilton was just otherworldly speed. I mean, Lucius Fox, I know you put him at 70, but if, if, we, if we were to average it to 60, you know, uh, to 65, it's still nowhere near Hamilton. So yeah. um, I'll work on it. I'll work on, on a comp uh, for you guys while we talk about pitchers. Let's start with you. Uh, well, well, first and foremost, we talked about Braylon Marquez and Matt Tabor last week. So I'm just trying to, narrow it, uh, lower it down a little bit for this week. Let's start with you, uh, Sean, with Matthew Allen, Allen, sorry, uh, Mets pitcher. He's 19 years old, but he'll be 20 by uh, next season. Uh, he'll be entering his age 20 year. 6'3", he, uh, according to Fangraphs, he went up to 225 pounds, so he's putting some muscle or some mass into his frame, so that's a good sign, because uh, uh, when I, earlier it showed that he was only like not even 200 pounds, I guess. Yeah, he's already, unlike a lot of prep arms, which I tend to avoid and not hype up just because the that variety of outcomes with high school pitchers just is ginormous. But for someone like Matthew Allen, who is pretty much done physically developing, I mean, he's 6'3", 220. He's going to move faster because of that. There's not a whole lot of projectability. What we're seeing now is what we're probably going to get. And there's been a couple of videos coming out of the Mets instructional fall league that they're doing for their about like 60 or 80 of their minor leaguers or something. And um, it was a two minute video and I'm going to share just a little snippet of it real fast. 
and uh does that, does that it, music it's gonna uh i it's muted now yeah I'm and not paying for i'm gonna that. blow that. it up and here is this he, it reminds me of mix of both seth lugo who's on the mets currently and matt harvey who obviously they share a name uh big power fastball but then he has this soul stealing curveball that just buckled the guy right here and then you see who's in the batter's box right now that's our hitter from last week, Carlos Cortez, and he's just going to paint his wagon and, yeah, g- go home. Mm. So this is a 19-year-old who's already hitting, topping out at 97, 98, has good command of the fastball, and somewhere else in the video I'd have to go find it. His dominant secondary pitch is a curveball, much like how Noah Syndergaard came up with what Terry Collins called the hook from hell. Um Matthew Allen has a very good curveball as well, but we've already started to see that power slider that we've seen multitudes of Mets pitchers have, the one that we talked about Matt Tabor having last week. Uh, He's already shown glimpses of it in this instructional league, and if he has those three pitches, this is a guy who is near the top. He was considered the top right-handed prep arm in the 2019 draft. But he fell to the third round because he had a $4 million signing uh, bonus demand from Scott with Scott Boris and a strong commit mm-hmm. to Florida. And then the Mets drafted him in the third round and then picked nothing but college seniors for the next seven rounds and were able to scrounge up enough money to actually mm-hmm. sign Matthew Allen. And there's a lot of upside here. And he is in some people's top 100s, depending on where you look. Baseball America has him there. Keith Law has him in the top 100. This is a guy who's going to skyrocket up prospect boards. And if you're in a dynasty league of any sort and he's still available, grab him now. And, uh, yeah, I'm only using fan graphs as the kind of like the lingua franca of our prospect rankings. But, yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned the other uh, rankings as well. So, uh, So it's someone that we should probably take notice of. I mean, this is the point of this uh, exercise, right? Is these lesser known prospects. I mean, this guy's only 19 years old, so he's really under the radar. So this is what the show's for. This is what this, these episodes are for. So you, we can bring these guys to light. Uh, so far he's number five uh, in the Mets system, but I saw that he was the number one pitcher uh, in, according to fan graphs, uh, uh, according to the Fangraphs uh, list for the Mets. So, I mean, he's he's moving up, like you mentioned, just skyrocketing. 2023 uh, ETA, because he's only a teenager. He'll be yeah. 20 next year, but yeah, he's so young. Uh, oops, I went too far again. Uh, fastball, uh, 55-60, uh, no slider, although I think, is it the same thing as last week with Matt Tabor, that there is a slider, but it's just not. Yeah, I think it, it's, a, it's a new pitch. It's the fastball curveball have really been his bread and butter coming up. All right. Well, that's good to know. Yeah, like you mentioned, there's the curb. Trouble with the curb. Change up needs a little bit more work. The command needs a little bit more work. Uh, sits comfortably at 93, 96 miles an hour, 97 tops, 45 uh, plus future value. So I guess what the plus means that there's always room for improvement or that it's going to yeah rise up a little bit. He's just a kid. Struggle with control. High Yields high strikeouts. Uh, but unfortunately, he also yielded some high uh, walks per nine innings as well. So, I mean, but, he he only has ten uh, professional innings underneath his belt. Right. When he was so drafted, he he had four starts in the uh, Gulf Coast League, and then made one appearance for the um, Brooklyn Cyclones in the New York Penn League, going up against guys that are about three or four years older than him. And he went two innings, gave up a couple of runs, three strikeouts. So, let's move on to my guy, uh, Yoan Duran. I'm, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Duran, Duran. Hungry like the wolf. From the <laughs> Twins, age 23. Uh, his scouting report, I was reading it on Fangraphs, and he's uh, supposed to be a mid-rotation starter. But you know who else was a mid-rotation starter? And now he's like everybody's ace and Cy Young winner here? Who? Uh, I was going to call him Justin. No, but it's uh, Shane. Shane Bieber is. Oh. Was, yeah, so it's a so the reason I, I picked this guy was, I mean, look at this frame, dude. 6'5", yeah. 230. You're that, you're a big boy like that. Uh, you got my full attention. Uh, I mean, that, that, that's a big And then one you right got a, another guy with a 70-grade fastball. Wasn't Braylon Marquez last week a 70-grade fastball or an 80-grade? Something like that. Oh, I mean, I have it right here. Let's see. Uh, 70, 80. And uh, yeah, the yep. fastball is always going to attract me as well. So I think you uh, have a type. You, you say I have a type. I think you have a type too. 
Oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not denying it. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not denying it. Uh, I, I, that's what I'm looking for from fantasy perspective and also from a real perspective. Give me those big mofos. I mean, although Marquez lanky, but you know, he could, he could, you know, he could eat. You know, he could eat. He can eat. You know, I'll, I'll, I'd invite him to my buffet. I'll fatten him up. Uh, you know, it, it, you know what it is. It, it, it's uh, I forgot it was in the '90s. Uh, Steve Stone or, or somebody mentioned a Giants pitcher, right? I forgot who. It was. Maybe it would have been Solomon Torres or somebody else. I forget. And the, the big thing about him was, oh uh, well, you know, he's been uh, he came over from Cuba, and uh, he, at first he was just a scrawny little kid and who had no meat on his muscle. But you know, he was homesick. His family was in Cuba, and you could tell that he had nothing to eat in the last three or four years because he oh, lived in God. Cuba. But now yeah, he's, I'm right, there's a theme here. But now that he's here in the United States, he now is eating up, he's fattening it up, and now he's a well-rounded-out, muscled-up player. Uh, and this is back in the 90s. So I think that the same could be said about Braylon Marquez. One day he'll, uh, he'll, he'll uh, learn about American buffets, and <laughs> he's just going to get bigger and bigger and uh, be able to support his 70, 80-plus uh, graded fastball. As far as Duran goes... And, you know, shame on me. I forgot where he's from. I think he was in the, from the Dominican Republic, but I can't, I'm not 100% sure. 56 ranked on the Fangrass ranking, number four on the Minnesota Twins. He was due for a call up this year, but then COVID took over. So he's more than likely going to be up next season if the, if the Twins know what's good for them. 70 fastball, 60, 55, 60 slider, no curve. Change up is also, so he has really three really good pitches that are, are ready to go according to the, uh, the 80 grades here. Command is uh, somewhat of an issue still, but look at this, man. 95, 99 mile per hour fastball that tops 101 miles an hour, Sean. Yeah. Bring him over right now. 50 future value. And here's my notes. Big frame. He's supposed to be mid rotation for the future, but we've seen guys who were graded as mid rotation starters who are now aces. Oh, like Shane Bieber. Uh, improve XFIP at every stop in his minor league career. Uh, XFIP is the uh, field independent pitching ERA that accounts for walks and strikeouts and home runs. But the X stands for, you know, trying to uh, average out the league average of home runs. So everybody's playing on a, on the same. It normalizes everyone's home run to fly ball percentage. Essentially. So that's a good sign. Uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to uh, read more about him or see more from him next season. And that's why I picked him. As like you said, I do have a, a type. Uh, I want the big guys with the with the big fastballs and the big arms. And you know, I'm just getting excited talking more power, more power, more power. <laughs> as uh, I go full Tim Taylor uh, from Home Improvement here. Um, what do you have? Anything you gotta you have to add to Duran right now? Well, while you were, you know, hyping up uh, Duran, I was watching one of his outings from spring training just this past year in 2020. And I look at his stat line and his walks are good. I mean, for someone who has such a live fastball and you expect some sort of command issues, but he's basically sitting around the low to mid threes, which someone like that is really, really good. But I'm watching this in the spring training outing, and obviously it might just be, you know, hyped up Major League spring training. He's a little nervous. But he reminds me a lot of Jerry's Familia. It, that 70-grade fastball has got a lot of sync to it. Um, in the minor leagues, if you're throwing 99-mile-an-hour sinkers, you're going to strike out a lot of guys. In the majors, you might have a little bit tougher of time doing that. But the slider looks good. The command looks more worrisome than his stat line would lead you to believe. But I like the frame. I like big, chunky starting pitchers that throw hard. Uh, So I I guess we're both hopping in on that train. I mean, he looks ready, Sean. He looks ready. I mean, I I don't know if it's a twins problem or maybe not not from a a cheap – cheap standpoint because the twins are notorious for being cheap and letting their prospects linger in the in the minors for too long but i mean they they were pretty deep this year as they were trying to uh go far in this 2020 season in terms of the playoffs but i'm just you know he he looks good to go right now but and and i don't know i just i'm just kind of scratching my head as to why they couldn't just bring him up but i i know that this was a weird year, but it was a weird year for everybody. And we saw, we saw guys like Davey Garcia get called up. We saw yeah. Braylon Marquez get called up. So I don't know. I'm just kind of wondering why the twins hesitated to bring them up. But anyway, that's our prospects. Uh, we're going to do one pitcher, one hitter every week until uh, 
probably what, what would you say the end of our first season here as a podcast yeah probably all right well i had nothing else planned uh, as uh you know i had i had to babysit the baby last night so i don't i didn't get a chance to do any more uh spreadsheets for you guys i know you guys love my spreadsheets so one <laughs> last thing i'm gonna leave you guys off with because we were talking about lucius fox and his comparison and everybody's wants to do um Billy Hamilton. So while we were talking about the prospects, I go into the Fangraphs page and I'm looking up at the stolen base leaders uh, since 2017, right? And you gotta find a switch hitter. Are any of them switch hitters? Okay, all right. Well, then you know what? Then my comp is gonna work out just fine. So I narrowed it down to shortstops, right? Because we made a big stink of, oh, well, he's not an outfielder; he's a shortstop. So, but yeah, I saw a lot of outfielders uh, kind of matching his uh, his numbers and the, the high stolen bases and the and the decent walk rate. And the only th- question i had was the the strikeout rate which is for lucius fox sits at about what 20 25 yeah jinx so it leads me to my one conclusion that lucius fox you got here what you got in lucius fox right oh god i'm nervous is you got yourself a bona fide jonathan vr oh my god oh my goodness decent walk rate you're welcome, everybody. That's who we're like. I'm very strict with the comps, man. Like that's a likes good to one. The, the I like it. I, I know because I, like I, I created it. I do. I like that I came comp. Up with it. And it's funny because I hate Jonathan VR, but I love I know Lucius do. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your comp of Adalberto Mondesi almost worked, except that Mondesi really strikes out a lot and yeah. does not walk at all. So that's why I didn't like it. And, and Mondesi is way better athletic, I think, than Lucius Fox uh, is. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so VR works well here. I like it. Uh, and, you know, while I was doing that, I, I wasn't paying attention to any of the comments. Any, anything interesting that happened here? Um, Nothing too crazy. Think- I liked Austin's uh, comment about no salads in uh, Duran's diet. <laughs> Or no salads and Braylon Marquez's diet. No, yeah. we need. I need you to be a little bit bigger, there, boy. Uh, so yeah. With all that said, that's that's all I had for you guys uh, today. Uh, anything else from your end, uh, Sean? Uh, did you want to? No, talk about? but I do want to tease. Be sure to come back next week. We are slated to have a guest, a great fantasy baseball uh, expert. I'm sure he's going to laugh that I called him an expert. He is going to have me dying. He. Ha- cracks me up all the time on twitter uh i'm really excited to bring him to you guys that way you guys can enjoy him as much as i do so be sure to join us next week where we're going to have our special guests and we're going to break down our dynasty guru 30 team mock draft which he was also a part of so if you've been following it on twitter you might be able to figure out who it is but that's what we got scheduled for next week and i'm really excited for it uh and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too. I, I see his name all the time because I, I can't keep up with the chat because you guys go really hard with the chat. And so I, I do apologize <laughs> for not being active. I just can't, I can't keep up. And half the time I have no. Well, I'm on the outside looking in, so I have no idea what the hell you guys are talking about. I, <laughs> you are, are drafting our team for us. Um, I'm just, it's it's my it's not my team, but I'm on that team. Right. Uh, to uh, yeah. Dick Duran, their former, former Bears head coach, Dick Duran. Um, but couple of things to look forward to. Uh, we are going to have an award show here uh, on the Total Basis podcast. We're going to have some wacky uh, – Sean and I are going to talk about it uh, off the air, but we're going to have some wacky uh, uh, categories for you guys, uh, and we're going to have some fun. It's going to be unconventional. It's going to be fantasy baseball-centric, but we're going to try to do more um, real baseball as well for everybody who tunes in to watch us for the real baseball aspect of it. Um, secondly, we are going to talk some free agents in our own unique way. Um, as free agency is going to come up, there's already a list out there the, uh, from Major League Baseball that's highlighting the best available players for next season. And uh, we're going to break it down as best we can and the only way we can do it. Obviously, we have the next week we have our guest and the Dynasty uh, 30 team league that we're in. So, I mean, if that, I mean, the, the 30 team leagues, right, Sean? If that doesn't speak to people having this inkling of, I wonder what I would do if I ran my own team. This is it right here. Yeah. <laughs> you have that, that's why I love them. They're so much fun. It's like the yeah. funnest thing in the world. They take forever, yeah, exactly. but it's really fun. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it puts you in that, in that mold. Like, all right, well, here I am. 
This is my team, and, and it's not as easy, right? Because you're not drafting all the good players on every major league roster. You have to account for all the, the bench players and all the uh, – this is why we're doing these prospects because today's low-level prospects are tomorrow's uh, high-ranking prospects, right? Yep. At, at least sometimes. And that's – I mean, like I said, Shane Bieber was not supposed to be anything special, and now look at him, you know? Um, Brett Phillips was not supposed to be anything special, right? Although he was – at, at you know, a top 100 prospect at one point of his life. And then he flamed out and now he reappeared again, like a Phoenix ignition. So this is why we call the total basis podcast because we encapsulate everything. So on that note, that's all I wanted to mention uh, for this show. Tune in. We're not done yet. We're not, uh, we will be done uh, during the holidays. Uh, We will uh, be posting the schedule as you see it, but in the meantime, join us next Sunday for more baseball talk right here on the total basis podcast on the best baseball group on Facebook. Baseball Live. Have a good one, everybody.